There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I had always wanted to be a dad. I knew that it was going to be slightly more complicated for me as a gay man, but um, I didn't think that it would, my sexuality would stop me. So it's one of the reasons that I wanted to write the column because I wanted to be able to talk about it and say this is a possibility, this is something that we can do. You know, gay people can have children. Co-parenting made sense to me because it seemed like one of the few options that was available. We had one of those conversations where she said, yeah, you know, if I, if I hit 40 and I'm still single, we should, you know, talk about it seriously. I felt a little bit like we were stepping into the unknown. Um, and it, it's all been fine. People often say, oh, your kids have got two dads and one mum, but I think of it more as three parents. You know, kids are not born prejudiced. It's learned behaviour. They are naturally accepting children. Some families have a mum, a dad and a wawa. So welcome to Some Families. Hello, Lottie. Hello, Stu. Hello. Um, today, we have a very special guest on the show. Yeah, he's off the telly, isn't he's he? He's off the telly. He's famous. He's famous. He's famous. We'll come up in the world. My mum's going to be so happy. <laughs> yeah, because he's on Corrie. <laughs> he's he... on Corrie. Actually, my mum doesn't Corrie. watch Corrie, but she's a We have Charlie Condo, that's right. And he's going to be talking to us about his co-parenting arrangement that he has with um, a close female friend who he had a baby with and his husband um, and interestingly Charlie was one of the first people to really do what we're doing with this podcast which is um, talk openly about mm-hmm. um, the dynamics of queer parenting because he had a column that was in The Guardian yeah, I think it was in The Guardian about 10 years ago now when no one else was really talking about queer families mm-hmm. at all so he he paved the way for you me and everyone guys but first, before we welcome Charlie into the studio, let's have a little, a little glass of wine, a yes. little, a little tete-a-tete. What's happened to you this week? You've been teasing me all <gasps> week that you've got a good uh, little anecdote up your sleeve, and I want to hear it. So, so we've been doing a little bit of recording. We've been laying a few things down. Mm. I am now going to be a father of three. No, you're not. Yes. No, Stu. No way. Oh, I've got all goosebumpy. Yes. Very excited. She's having a baby. Oh, I am. That's amazing. I'm drinking Tell wine me. and having a baby. It's amazing. <laughs> Tell is, me that more. That is the queer dream. Tell me everything. Um, we, when we adopted our son and daughter, we were always 
briefed, as it were, by all the social worker team that the birth mother may end up having more children. And it was something we were always really open to and something we said that we would definitely consider whilst we couldn't give an answer and whilst we very much didn't think it would happen as quickly as it has. And it is very common in sibling groups through adoption, um, not through everyone, and again, not to generalise, but it, it is very common to have very large sibling groups often. So we're always aware that this could be in the in, in, in the future. Rewind two weeks ago, three weeks ago, uh, we got an email from our social worker from our old agency. And <laughs> it was one of those emails. I, I opened my email up on a Tuesday morning and mm. I was and the subject line was news. Mm-mm. And my heart just stopped because I knew I knew that a sibling was had been born. I just knew it. Um, my husband's reaction was immediately that the birth mother had actually passed away because that's been a very real, a, a very real thing that we've been aware of that mm-hmm. can happen and is, and again, sadly, very common in various situations involved with adoption. But I was right. It was another sibling and the email kind of said, a sibling's been born. I'd love to discuss with you. I'm in meetings till two. Let's discuss after then. Wow. It's so funny that it's <laughs> like, such oh a like, life-changing piece yeah. of news. And then somehow Just with to, adoption, yeah. everything gets so like paper pushy yes. and bureaucratic. Yeah, and, and like... it was in that moment. And I may go into it at a later stage, but we're we're in a very it's 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 completely different to when we adopted our our first two. The the process has been completely different so far and and I must say also quite frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, so our new son, so it's a boy. Wow. So you've been approved and... No. Okay. (laughs) So our new son as of now, as of this moment, potentially our new son, um, although it's, they always like to try and keep sibling groups together as much as they Mm -hmm. can. So whilst we don't have anything official, anything on paper, anything locked in, it's very much the viewpoint that he he will be coming to us mm-hmm. and we want him. We desperately want him. Mm. Um, and he's he's already five months old. Wow. And they haven't told you. This is the this has been part of the issue. So whilst, you know, I've talked a lot about the, the positives of adoption and, you know, mm. the, the system and actually it can be quicker for a lot of people and. At the end of the day, it's a struggling system. It's mm. a really struggling system with a lot of kids. And unfortunately, I, you know, his story has been a little bit lost in the in in amongst all the paper pushing. And and somewhere along the line, when it was alerted to the authorities that we were in existence and his older siblings were in existence back when he was born, it took four and a half months to, to let us God, know. God, really? So now we're in this kind wow. of backward situation where we're working on getting him home as, as quickly as possible. Mm. So it's all been a bit crazy. I love the language that you use, though, to talk about it. Like, he's your son and getting him home. Like, it feels so, it feels so right and so yeah. natural and, and that you are the parents that he 
deserves. Yeah. And I mean, I can't imagine why it won't work out, but I'm sure until you have him in your arms, you'll feel... You know, I've tried not to get too emotional about it, but the fact that he has been in foster care for five months when he could have been with us has been... That's insane. Awful. Like, do you have to really be careful with how you're interacting with the authorities we do and this is why but this is why it's completely different to when we first adopted our first mm-hmm. two in that and again because that was also quite plain sailing so we didn't actually have to really like take that approach but in this case we're now being much more like forthright about things mm. and really getting our point across and and things are still moving slowly and much slower than than we would like. And so therefore, we we are going all guns blazing, really, because mm. it is a completely different situation. I think when we adopted our first two, it kind of was soft footing and, mm-hmm. you know, really wanted to impress everyone and yeah. show that we could be the best parents and that yeah. we've done all this training and that we can offer these kids this life and mm. this amazing time. Now, we've got... 15 months plus of showing that we looked after these kids and we are one family and we, not that we've nailed it because I don't think any parents ever nailed it and we've got a long journey ahead, but Mm -hmm. I would say we've done pretty bloody well. Yeah. And this gorgeous little boy is, is still in foster care and I'd imagine we've not met them. We will meet them, but I'd imagine his foster parents are, are beautiful people and they're wonderful but he's still in foster care he's still being looked after and he's still separated from his brother and sister who he's spending have time you told with. um your son and daughter about him yet not yet mm. we've tested the waters a little how did bit. you do that just you know would you you know what do you think would you like a would you like a baby brother <laughs> well they're uh, like no yeah <laughs> it depends on their mood but everything starts changing yeah and how crazy to not have nine months to get your head around it all if he comes to move in with us on the date that he's supposed to it will have been six weeks between knowing that he was between knowing he even existed existed. and then coming i'm like sonia from eastenders (laughs) (laughs) actually she had it worse but it's 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 really hard um but it's wonderful at the same time and i'm so happy for you guys it's amazing news and i just think you are so awesome to just be like taking it in your stride and not feeling like I mean obviously it's a stressful time mm. but you're not by all accounts like overwhelmed by it or I have it, my moments on it you know it's <laughs> yeah. a good thing and yeah. I think you're happy about it and that's so nice yeah we are happy we are I mean where will it end mm-hmm. what if the mother has more children and more children we do have a choice we very could easily say we we he know it's not something we want to move forward with but Mm. we know in our hearts we want him we it's going to be a struggle financially logistically Mm -hmm. mentally everything but it's not impossible Mm -hmm. and I think we'll never look back and when he's with us it will just it'll just change I think the social workers are very much like she will have a fourth they're pretty certain she will she's young enough to the situation she's in so I think we're just prepared for that. It's, 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 it's the same as where we were before when we were asked when we had our first two. And we never thought it would actually happen. And then suddenly it did. And so we have to go along in the same vein. Because mm-hmm. it may never happen. We may get the call one day that sadly she has passed on or, 
or something else or sorted herself, you know, and she's she's made a new life for herself. There could be various different mm-hmm. options, but she could have a fourth. And I think we'll just review it at the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is just such amazing news. And I'm so, so happy for you guys. It's Thank incredible. You. And I'm so thrilled to have been on this amazing journey with you in this I room. I know, it's come along at um, a, a wonderful moment that I can actually be able to speak about it and and <laughs> have a kind of therapy session about yeah. it as well. And now we are here with Charlie Kondo. Charlie, um, you might recognise from his long-standing career as a TV actor. Um, you have been in some iconic soaps, Coronation Street. Um, tell us a little bit about your career history just before we crack on with talking about your parenting history. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, my career history has been a bit weird, I suppose. Um, I started off when I was when I first left school uh, acting, sort of doing a lot of comedy stuff as I did um, a sketch show called Armstrong and Miller for a long time and then shows like Nathan Barley and Gimme, Gimme, Gimme and those kind of things. And then I got a call from Corrie uh, and thought, oh, they do really great kind of comic characters that would be brilliant I'd love to do that and then when I got there I realized that my character was the normal sensible responsible guy um but yeah so I was I I was in Coronation Street for I think getting on for five years um and then and then left actually because of my family because it was filming up in Manchester and I wasn't seeing much of the kids and decided that much as you know my career is important to me it's not Mm. as important as my family so I jacked it all in to take jobs that kept me closer to home here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs coming off their parents plan or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365 day returns. So tell us a little bit about your family um, in a nutshell. Like, who are you as a unit? Well, I suppose um, 
my my family is myself and my husband Cameron. We've been together for almost fifteen years now, and we have two kids, Georgia, who's ten, and Hal, who is eight. Uh, and we co-parent with um, a straight female friend of ours, Catherine, who lives around the corner. And we and we kind of divide our time with the kids, so we have them fifty fifty, um, and it works pretty well, or rather, it has done so far. <laughs> So can you tell us a bit about that initial conversation um, with your female friend and how that became a reality? Yeah, it was one of those things that I had always wanted to be a dad ever since I was really, really young. And when I came out at the age of 18, I sort of continued to want to be a parent. I knew that it was going to be slightly more complicated for me as a gay man, but um, I didn't think that it would... My sexuality would stop me. Um, I, I, I never saw it as an obstacle, just something that would be slightly more complicated, I suppose. Um, and I, I, I didn't really. I mean, you know, I'm 47 now, and this is going back a, a while. <laughs> and and so it was a, it was a different landscape then. Adopting for mm. gay men, certainly for single gay men, as I was when I started first thinking about it, was wasn't something that happened. IVF wasn't available to gay people um certainly surrogacy wasn't a thing it, it was just a very different world i suppose that we were in and so co-parenting made sense to me because it seemed like one of the few options that was available um and i and i kind of thought well maybe i could have kids with a friend of mine <laughs> not ever for a minute thinking that my straight female friends wouldn't that wouldn't be their first choice of having kids to do it with a gay friend, uh, but you know when you're young, you know you just think, oh yes, yeah. I'll have kids with me. So had you, uh, but you had been thinking that before, so Catherine. I'd been thinking about it for a long time, and I'd always, I'd always had conversations about when I become a, a dad, when when I've got kids, rather than if I've got kids. Mm. I think it was something that it wasn't even something that was intentional. It was just something that I did. It felt like something that was going to happen. And I, di I did start to have that conversation with other with other friends. Um, and it never felt particularly right until Catherine and I started thinking about it. But we had one of those conversations where she said, yeah, you know, if I if I hit 40 and I'm still single, we should, you know, talk about it seriously. N not for a minute thinking that that would be the case. And it was something that was so important to her. And I was I I'd obviously been, you know, desperate to have kids for some time. So. We started to talk about it very seriously and we talked about how we would do it. We, we talked for a really long time about mm. every eventuality. It, it felt like we were we were both on the same page, kind of morally, in terms of the, the, the way that we thought about bringing up children politically with a small p, you know, mm. all, all of the stuff seemed to fit. Because um, were you really close friends? Yeah, definitely. I mean, our friendship has definitely changed over the years. Because that's a big, well, that is a massive commitment know, to make to a with someone it really is and you're stepping into the unknown it was it was i didn't know anybody that had done this there was nobody that mm. i could look to to go well who i mean co-parenting wasn't even a word it was just i was going to try and have kids with a friend of mine um and it, and it was really scary and i and because we didn't know we, you know you have no idea if you're going to be messing up the kids or if it's going to be really awful for them or how it's going to work are we doing something really stupid you know should we all move in together should we not what's the right thing of doing it which is why i think we talked about it so much we talked about everything 
Um, and, and of course, by the time we'd started to talk about it seriously, Cameron and I were together and we'd been together for a couple of years at that point. Um, so it was always going to be the three of us. So it was hitting, bringing him into the conversation. Yeah, well. absolutely. Because it, there's no way it would have worked otherwise. Mm. I couldn't be like, well, me and Catherine are going to have kids. But So know, was you're... that something with um, Cameron that you brought up like on your first date? Like how far into the process were you when you met him? Um, we weren't far into it at all. I mean, it had been one of those vague, oh, yeah, let's have this conversation if something, if we get, you know, older and we're still single or whatever. Um, but by the time I knew quite quickly that Cameron and I were going to be very serious um, I don't remember when I had the first conversation with him to tell him that I wanted to have kids, but it was definitely there from the beginning. Um, and he was somebody, he's slightly older than me, and I think for his generation, he'd never really thought about it. It just wasn't something that gay men did. It's one of the reasons that I wanted to write the column, because I wanted to be able to talk about it and say, mm. this is a possibility, this is something that we can do. You know, gay people can have children. Mm. Um, so yeah, so it was it was something that Cam and I kind of had talked about. He he knew that I wanted to be kids, and and he was absolutely on board with that. Luckily, because that, that would have been really awkward if he hadn't. That's actually amazing, really, because it's quite it's quite a lot as the other person coming into that to get your head around and to think, well, what's my role going to be here? Or they, mm, these, yeah. these, my partner, the person I love is about to enter in, into this incredibly intimate and um, connecting partnership it, that doesn't involve me in the same like biological sense. That's right. Well, the biological question was always a, a, a kind of tricky one. And I think it was very different from when we had our daughter, our first child, to when we had our son, our second. It, it, everything had changed completely because I think we had ideas of how we wanted to work, but we didn't have the benefit of hindsight. So we yeah. didn't know how it was going to. So, for example, when Georgia was born, I was in the room, but Cameron wasn't. Um, whereas when Hal was, there was no question that Cameron would be there because he felt very much part of it. And he is an equal parent. Mm. I, I kind of... People often say, oh, your kids have got two dads and one mum. But I think of it more as three parents because yeah, our roles all feel mm. very different. We all have very different Could you talk a bit more about that and like what your different roles are and what you're all called? Sure. I mean, Catherine is mama, I'm dad, and Cameron is wawa because they couldn't say papa when they were growing up, oh. so wawa stuck. But we all have different ways of doing things. We all have different strengths. Um, it's one of the reasons that I think they're starting to do a lot more studies into gay parenting now. And one of the things that I think is a benefit and they're learning is a benefit is that instead of falling into gender stereotypes, stereotypes in yeah. the, the mother does all the cooking and the mm -hmm. emotional stuff and the looking mm -hmm. after and the dad, you know, does the football and the, you know, the practical stuff, it, it sort of falls to whoever is better at those things yeah. and whoever is better at the time mm. as well. Those those things can shift. Yeah. Do you find it helps evolve your relationship as well in that you communicate more than maybe say, I mean, it's hard to compare, but in the sense that you will talk to each other about what you can each bring at that point rather than it just falling into a, a, a specific I it, role? I think it tends to happen naturally. We did all our talking before the kids came. Um, we tried to get everything set and then of course you realize that when you have kids nothing is set and you just have to go with it and now we sort of just it happens organically 
which I think is better. Um, I think we're in a really fortunate position in that because the kids are with their mum half the week, we get a break and they get a break from us as well. So it's the dream. Well, it, it's just it, thinking it, that. It really <laughs> and I think the reason it's a dream is, is that you never get strung out. You never think, oh, God, yeah. I wish I could just get a break. This is so relentless. Yeah. This is it, it never stops. Um, and, and you two get time together. We as get well. time together. So we will often go away for the weekend or the kids are going to Catherine's tonight. We're going to go to the cinema. You know, just things like that. We don't have to do that, you know, date night or any yeah. of those awful expressions. <laughs> we don't need to do any of that because we get time for ourselves. Yeah. And Catherine does. And the kids like it too. They like going between two houses. And they know that when they're with us or when they're with their mum, mm. we are kind of focused on them. Not in a weird helicopter parenting way, but just that mm. we're available. How emotionally. old were they when you um, first started changing well, houses with them? We, When Georgia was born, Catherine moved in with us for the first six months uh, because we were trying to figure it all out. You mm -hmm. know what it's like when you've got a newborn, you don't have a clue what you're doing or which way's up. Yep. So we were all together um, and all getting up in the middle of the night and all that kind of ridiculous stuff that you do when you don't really know until Catherine said, this is stupid. It doesn't need three of us at four o'clock in the morning while I'm breastfeeding. So uh, then we'd sort of take over during the day so that she could sleep. And having that extra pair of hands was brilliant. But then after six months, she went back to her house and Georgia started to go between the two households straight away. Right. Um, and the same when our son was born, um, we moved in with her that time. And stayed there uh, for six months, and then and then did the same. For that her. sounds really sensible and like good to have started yeah, it yeah. with them so young. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. Some people were saying, "Oh, don't you think that's a bit young for a child to be away from their mum?" That was interesting because nobody ever said, "Do you think it's too young for the baby to be away from mm. their dad?" Isn't that interesting? But, yeah. And what would be your tips for other people in a similar, like practical tips for people considering a co-parenting? relationship in terms of like moving the kids between houses like I think it was Catherine that came up with this this kind of setup that we have which is she has them on Mondays and Tuesdays we have them on Wednesdays and Thursdays and then we alternate each weekend so that means for example my son has piano on a Monday night that's her thing she does that with him it's regular it's always mm -hmm. it just makes those things yeah. easier it means that you can have a routine even though they're going between two houses which is something that I think a lot of kids need and, and we had the same thing with, we talked a lot about financially how it was going to work. Mm. Were we going to put money into a pot? We had this idea that we would pay money into a bank account. But because they're with us half and half, you just end up paying for half of things. And if there's something like, I don't know, whatever it might be, school dinners or whatever, then we split that. You know, mm -hmm. That's a, a very simple thing to just, Catherine will say, I just paid for this, so can you give me mm. half the money or... I've just paid for their swimming lessons. Can you? Yeah. Pay, you so I guess just work? open communication and Absolutely. being like straightforward. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, honest. it's kind of as if we were a divorced couple, although mm. obviously we have never been a couple yeah. and we get on very well. So you don't have any of that weird stuff. And a lot more amicable as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what were some of the um, biggest criticisms or challenges that you faced from friends and family when you were entering into this, particularly your parents or your mums? Well, our parents were actually fantastic. I think all of us were really lucky in that respect. They were all really cool about it. I mean, our parents knew how much we wanted to be parents ourselves. 
I had some problems, interestingly, from my gay male friends, uh, mm. which surprised me because mm. I didn't think that's where I'd come across the difficulties. Um, I remember having a conversation with one of my closest gay friends at the time who said uh, he just kind of understood what he meant from a political point of view, but he was saying, you know, I feel like you're trying to kind of ape a heterosexual stereotype and you're, you know, we're different. We aren't like that and we make our own rules, which, you know, I suppose I, I kind of got what he was talking about, but I think I was doing the opposite. I was saying, I'm a gay man and we can do this too. You know, we were, we were right back in those days, we were talking about equal marriage. That was already something they were talking about bringing in civil partnership and Cameron and I were kind of at the forefront of, of, trying to get equal marriage um, to pass here because it felt like civil partnership was equal but not quite equal. Mm. Um, and so, and it felt like the conversation with, was changing with gay people in this country and we were allowed to get married suddenly or hopefully that was coming. And we should have been able to have children and families and all of that stuff. There was no reason for your sexuality to get in the way of that because, I mean, you guys know when you're doing homework with your kids or playing football or drawing mm. or changing mm. nappies or whatever it is, the last thing you're thinking about is who you fancy. Um, it's just not part of the parenting experience, really, to, to my mind. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's true. I do think that there are some things... There is Certainly for me, like there have been mm. times where I have been aware of my sexuality. Mm. For example, in a taxi with my wife and our kid... And the taxi driver assumes that my wife, who's actually the biological mum, is the nanny and starts <laughs> talking to her like she's the nanny. Yeah. And it's that moment yeah. of, do we say something here? Nowadays, Elton and David and Ricky Martin and yeah. Patrick Harris and everyone, you know, all the gays are doing it. Yeah. But I was the first. <laughs> no, I wasn't the first at all. But I did, I, I, I kind of was the first in this country yeah. to talk about it publicly. I mean, I, don't, I can't remember when the column in The Guardian was, but it was before Hal was born, so we're talking maybe nine years ago. Um, I mean, I think I kind of wanted to talk about it for that very reason. That I, wanted, I, I wanted to be that person that showed that it was a possibility, but also I wanted people to know that, apart from logistical differences, mm. parenting for gay people is, is, is just as mundane and boring as it is for straight people. <laughs> How did you kind of give them the language or the tools to talk about their family with their friends at school and with their teachers? Cam and I are quite involved in the school, so we know all the children anyway and have done since they were very small. So they're just used to us. You know, kids are not born prejudiced. It's learned behaviour. Yeah. They are naturally accepting children, I think. it's, And so if you are there and, and yeah. it's normalised, I suppose. And you've got that community better, around you, yeah. which is a blessing yeah. to have. Yeah like-minded and so they've never like, had to have those conversations no. of, you know so and so says that i can't have two dads or any of that and it was one of the questions that people kept asking before mm. we had kids one of the things that when you're that side of parenting and you don't know and you think god is this going to be awful are they going to get bullied mm. is it going to be mm. you know actually our experience is not like that i'm not saying it's like that for everyone and i'm sure some kids will get bullied for having gay parents but you know when i was at school some kids got bullied for being fat or ginger or wearing glasses or whatever it was if kids are going to bully you they're going to they're, they're going to find they're going to find a way yep. and what? it's putting that 
I think we put that on ourselves mm. and you're right because that is such a key question is what are they going to say and you do and you know that's why we're called some families as well yeah. because that's how you can describe it to kids some families have two dads some families have two mummies and yep. actually when you say that to a kid they're like oh okay yeah right next thing Wednesday, Dougie. So, Charlie, we have a character on some families called Aunt Sally, mm -hmm. who is the dysfunctional, rude, abrupt person that we all inevitably meet at some point in our lives. Who <laughs> asks us just that one killer question that just is like, oh, a punch yeah. in the stomach. Yep. Do you have an Aunt Sally moment? And what did she ask you? And how did it make you feel? I suppose the question that people often ask, and they feel like they've completely within their rights to ask, was did Catherine and I have sex in order to, to have our kids, which would have been inappropriate in so many ways, not least because I'm in a relationship with a man, um, not attracted to women, uh, and I'm sure she's not attracted to me either. Um, yeah, we didn't. We did IVF, and I have no problem talking about that. Um, but yeah, it's a weird one, I suppose. I don't know why people think that when they know that you've had kids in a slightly different way to perhaps they have, they feel like they have the right to ask you <laughs> all the ins and outs, literally. Aunt Sally just has no barriers. Yeah. No barriers. <laughs> but do you yeah. tend to be quite patient with people like that or will you kind of yeah, quite I quickly I'm, say? What, tell people to mind their own business? Fuck off. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't, I don't do any of that. I don't, I don't really care. I mm. just say, no, we didn't. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's easier. Totally. Um, you know, but that's all right. Mm. What do you know now that you wish you had known at the time before you went into this journey? I don't know. All the all the worries that I had about whether or not going between the two houses was going to be difficult, how the kids would manage having three parents, all those all those kind of unanswered questions. Just simply, as I said before, because I didn't have any role models. I didn't have yeah. anybody that I knew that had done what we'd done. So. Mm. I felt a little bit like we were stepping into the unknown. Um, and it, it's all been fine, really. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for coming thank in. You, You're very well. Thank, thank you. you. Lovely to have So I found it really interesting listening to Charlie and the way he was talking about parenting. I really, mm -hmm. really agree with him that parenting is democratizing in terms of one's sexuality and mm -hmm. yeah you're not thinking about being gay when you're 100%. changing someone's nappy but yeah. I don't know do you think that maybe there are some things that are specifically challenging for gay people what do you think at home um do you think parenting is just the same whether you're gay or straight or do you think there are some particular quirks and experiences that are very specific to being gay please do let us know you can contact us on at some families pod on instagram or twitter or you can drop us an email at some families at storyhunter.co.uk one of the other things i found really interesting about charlie's interview was the fact that he spoke so much about it beforehand with his um, friend. Yeah. And I think that's something that we all do. And yeah. I do, I'm sure straight people do it too, talking about becoming parents. But I just feel like from my experience with my wife, we really, I mean, God, we talked yeah. and we talked and we talked. And from what you've said, Stu. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the pre-planning, isn't it? It's, there's so much more to it. And and that's not to take away from that, of course, and people go on all types of different journeys. But I think as queer parents, we do go into this 
with so much planning and so much thought and conversation. And I love speaking to Charlie about, and you could, you got that sense that actually their relationship and not just his relationship with Cam, but his relationship with his friend Catherine about how that must have the trust and mm. the, and the strength they must have together to be able to do that is, is, is quite beautiful. Actually. I think they were very, it's a, it's a really wonderful unit that I found it really reassuring mm. how he said well a lot of the stuff they spoke about actually when it came to it it's just fine you yeah. know like I'd be worried about where's this where's that who's that yeah. house but actually of course when you're in it um, and I love the I love the whole that they actually have that time off for each other and for the children very appealing it's very appealing and I mean I was actually going to make a proposal Lottie I mean is it too Did late you, that we, that we merge parent mm, I think I come I'll out of that worse <laughs> <laughs> I'll adopt your daughter. You adopt our children. But then I end up with four. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, so well, it's been a great session today. It has. It's been lovely to have Charlie in and Stu again. Such Congratulations. Oh, I'm sure everybody much. listening will be just as thrilled. Thank you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.